Hi, hola, hello, and bienvenido to Mentors Today, powered by Growth Hacks, the world's first weekly bilingual binational podcast built entirely to answer the questions of entrepreneurs throughout Latin America on a weekly basis. I'm Rob Ryan, the founder of Growth Hacks, and I am here with my partner and friend, co-host Ileana Jaime. Bienvenidos a Mentors Today, un espacio donde las barreras del idioma desaparecen. Aquí no existen fronteras. Cada semana responderemos dudas de emprendedores de alrededor de América Latina y discutiremos sobre los temas más relevantes del ecosistema de emprendimiento. Queremos escucharte. Bienvenido. Hey, welcome back. Ile, how are you? Are you going to stay in La Paz and work there forever? Muy buena pregunta. Me tengo que, <laughs> que poner a pensar en eso. At some point, are, you gonna, are we going to record Mentors Today from Guadalajara and then like a different place in Los Angeles? Or are we just going to keep doing this? I don't know. Time will tell us. <laughs> all right. So now that we all understand we're still living in the pandemic, if you're listening in Latino America or Estados Unidos, you need to be masking up and you need to be staying socially distanced. So we need you all to stay healthy and keep listening to us. So please take care of yourselves and your families wherever you are. So it's a big week, not just in Pandemicville, uh, though, Ile. You know, today, literally, I think right now while we're recording, Both our presidents are literally hanging out. I think they're swapping like decorative baseball bats or something. Yeah, I just saw the, the, the picture. Right. And so, 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 so they're hanging out. And that got us, that got you and I to thinking this week that maybe right now is like a pretty cool moment to talk about things that entrepreneurs always ask us. Like, hey, I want to go international. Hey, I want to go global. Like, how can I do that? How can I position my company in the U.S. market? Or how can I grow from, from Argentina to Mexico or from Mexico to Argentina or Brazil? And in fact, we thought we'd talk about it because this is how you and I met. You were a Mexicana building your company and I was this gringo building my company and we were both in Santiago, Chile. We moved there to, to open our, our companies in another, in another country. Without even getting into the politics of it, I thought that this would be a really cool Um, topic for us to discuss because I think it's something that all entrepreneurs are always thinking about, right? So, so I'm going to ask you, tell us the story behind the thinking of a young Ileana Jaime deciding to go to Chile and open your company there, right? So you, you went to Chile. We went as part of this Startup Chile Corfo Accelerator Program. And I guess the things I'm really curious about looking back is, you know, maybe you can share with the audience, like, why did you do that? Do you think it helped you? Do you think it hurt you? I mean, not in like a personal way, but like, did it help or hurt the business? Um, and let's, let's talk about a little bit about that. Okay. I think first of all, we have to take in like in account that my company was a very early stage company. We so were kind of leaving our, our MVP when we decided to move, but the, the accelerator program saw a lot of potential in our, in our business model. So I mentioned this because I think it's, it's not the same for companies that are bigger. Of, totally course, of course, one of the, of the things that was um, a motivation for us to move, it's because of the adventure to be in another country and have this international experience with our, with us, with our startup. It was a, it was a great experience to, to be part of. And also, Because when we were applying, we noticed that there was a market for our business there. there oh, was, okay. We do our research. We were working with elder people 
So we discovered that Chile was uh, one of the biggest population in, in, the, in this segment. So uh, there okay. was... So, so even from Guadalajara, where you launched, yeah. you, you, were, you did some homework. Like you were like, okay, we, we might apply to this program. If we get accepted, then we may go there. Let's understand the market before you even went there. When I, someone mentioned me about Chile, it was uh, in, this, in this program, it was completely new for me and I didn't know that it would be a great opportunity for us. So the first thing it was that we, we saw that there was a market and opportunity there. And also we have a lot of facilities of the government to launch our company there because we have this equity refund that we will support us and give us um, like uh, flexibility to try and pivot and do experiments there. So that's why we, we were motivated to, to go there and, and launch our company there. But it was a completely an adventure for us because we were just figuring out uh, how to do our business in Mexico. <laughs> and, See, at, the, at the time, like uh-huh. you, were just, you were just still, so you were kind of like between like ideation and validation stages. Yes. Yeah. And, and then we moved there and we have to start it over. So, okay. So looking back at this, again, like taking a company from Guadalajara, an idea that you, you had validated in Mexico. And so you knew that there was a market in Mexico. You did some research and you, you, you were pretty sure that there was a market based on what you knew as far as the population. So going back now, like, would you do it again? And if you did it again, would you do it differently? Of course, I will do it again because of the opportunity of the stage where we were. But I think maybe it wasn't the best thing to do because we weren't like big enough to to try another market. Now that I told you my perspective, you were also there. So I would like to know what was your experience like doing this? Um, Like once I knew I had applied and I thought there was a chance, okay, we might get in. Then I started doing a lot of research. Okay, if I'm going... I'm going with like a very specific uh, purpose, but like I never would have picked Chile off the map and said like, I want to go explore Chile. Like it never was on my radar. But what I realized like really simply was, okay, wait a minute. So the government of this country is going to give me money to cover my basic living costs to come and live in their country for say a year. And then while I'm there, I could travel around the region and meet with as many people as I could possibly get meetings with to learn about whether or not there was a market in those countries for our products and services, right? And so me, like the best case scenario was, I was gonna go to this market, I was gonna be able to scout it and validate it for free. And I was gonna find out that there was a market, which then later I could figure out how to grow and capture. Or worst case, I was gonna go there, I was gonna scout it, I was gonna try and validate it. And I was gonna find out that there was no market for it. And then I was just gonna come home to LA and just continue to focus on Mexico, which is where I had spent most of the prior six months, like giving speeches, interviewing people and kind of validating the market in Mexico. So for me, it was kind of a no lose, um, but then it wound up being like a great life experience because you know you and I were at very different moments in life, right? Like I'm 25 years older than you or whatever I am. And so <laughs> I, I, was, I was entering that adventure in a very different place mentally and emotionally. And it wound up being amazing. Like it wound up being a really cool journey for me to grow as a man and as a human. Um, and then, of course, I, I'm lucky that I made, 
you know, maybe a dozen or two dozen like friends and like maybe a half dozen really, really good friends, including hello, my co-hostess and co-creator of this podcast with you right there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, different ways to go and explore uh, markets. And this is one of those. There's a lot of programs around the world. And there are a lot of sometimes entrepreneurs that take advantage of that. And they are just doing a startup tourism. I don't know. There, there's like a term <laughs> yeah, for I, that. Yes. I, call, I call it entrepreneurial tourism, yeah. but I think it's the same. Entrepreneurial it's the, tourism. Yeah. And they are just jumping same. around in, in different. Uh, the, what did we what did we used to call them in Chile? The grant grant chasers. Yes. They, they just chase the government grant money. Same. And at the end, they don't have an objective or something that they want to accomplish and to go back and, and keep growing the business. And, and by the way, I don't judge that. Like now I've learned like, so for, I, I get that. Like I get the, if you want to be an entrepreneurial tourist, if you want to use this as the hook that enables you. And most of the time it's a younger person to literally like travel and bounce around the world in a nomadic way and like meet cool people and learn and fall in love and do all this fun. Like, Good for you. But then just my thing is just then be honest about that's who you are and that's what you're doing. And don't try and like pretend me into believing that you're legitimately trying to build like a unicorn transitional venture capital ready company. Like, cause you're not like, and that's okay. Every path is different, but like, let's just be clear about like who we are. Now right? that we are, we are speaking about this, it will be interesting to look for companies that that are unicorns and to see if if they're they they have passed through these kind of programs one of the more famous examples of that might be like the big uh like cabify right so that was very famously like attached to one of these programs but the truth was it was one of the team members with another failed idea that then goes off and gets involved in cabify which is from spain and had already grown like dominantly and legitimately in spain But maybe they used the bridge to Chile like as a way to connect to like do some scouting of the local market. And then it it played out okay for them. That's cool. Like good for you. But it's that's it's an important distinction to make in the way that I look at how we develop entrepreneurs in the industry. Yeah, I think I think those programs. My my controversial take. (laughs) (laughs) I think those programs help to form founders. And to open their perspectives See. to a new, to more, uh, more global perspectives. So they learn See. and they can, can, can go back and, and, and found um, a business, a new business model or, or they join to a, a company with a, with a very a strategic perspective. Creo que estoy olvidando hablar español. He hablado mucho inglés en este, en este podcast y me gustaría retomar la conversación haciendo esta pregunta en español. Y saber tu perspectiva, tú siendo una persona de Estados Unidos y que te dedicas mucho a la consultoría, etcétera, con, hablas con muchos founders, eh, seguramente te han, te han preguntado cómo es, cómo es expandir estas compañías a Estados Unidos o por lo menos fuera de su, de, del mercado en el que están, de su, de su mercado local. Eh, me gustaría saber cuáles eh, son las recomendaciones que tú das de, de, cómo, de cómo se debe dar esto o cómo, cómo es la mejor manera de... De, de expandir el mercado? Sí, great question. Um, so it's actually really simple. I have kind of a model that I use all the time and it's really just four points, right? So I always say that the fastest way to go global is to go local first. So what do we mean when we say go local to get global? 
It really just means that if you're at the ideation or even the initial validating stage of your of any business, I don't care what industry it is, I don't care if it's B2B, if it's B2C, uh, if it's a platform, if it's SaaS, if it's a service, if you're at that stage, ideation and initial validation, you should be trying to solve local problems in your city or in the lives of people that you know or places that you know and those people who understand and know you too, right? So that, that's mission number one. Doesn't mean you can't become the next great you know, unicorn valued company or huge public company, but like start by solving problems that you understand that are right in front of you. The second point, if you can solve problems in your town or in your city, then there is a really high likelihood that there's another town or city like somewhere in your state or maybe in your region of the country or in the country that is going to be just like yours. And so then you can target that second second city, for example, right? That says, ah, okay, this city. So let's talk in the context of Mexico. I've proved and validated this like in Baja Sur. I know it works and fits in La Paz and in say Los Cabos. Okay, cool. Then let's go try and proof it and validate it there. That's the second step, right? Because then the third layer is that if you can proof it in two different markets that are pretty comparable inside of one region or one country, there's a great likelihood that with that kind of momentum, that there is another city profile that's like that in the broader region of the like area. So I always say my model is if I'm talking to South American companies, if I was talking to a Chilean company, I would say, okay, cool. Like proof and validate this here in Santiago. And if you can proof and validate it in Santiago, then there's probably some similarities between what you find in Santiago and what you might find in Lima. If you can proof it and test it in Santiago, then there might be some comparable aspects to it in Buenos Aires. Then there's obviously other cities in the region, Bogota, Medellin, uh, Montevideo, et cetera, that are going to be comparable. And now you can expand regionally. And if you can do that, there are cities and comparable market opportunities like that in Mexico. Then you can look at tackling the U.S. market and the U.S. entry. Don't think of the U.S. as like this monolithic, massive <laughs> thing. Right. I always say think of the US from an entry point standpoint. So maybe your company is uh, super broad and it has nothing to do with like the Latino market or the Latino culture. Cool. Then, like, you could find comfortable entry points where there are a lot of cross border relationships in places like Texas or in Miami or in California. When people come to me and say, like, hey, how do I expand? I want to expand to America. I always say, whoa. I think okay. there's a phrase like, how do you eat an elephant? Right. Like, one bite at a time. Right. Like that's to me how you go global. Now, if you're invite, inventing like a, you know, B2C social platform, then you could argue with me that like, OK, but this breaks beyond those norms. I would say, OK, fair enough. But then get a dominant audience community in your local market. Like so if you if you're talking about members on a social platform uh, or users, like you should be able to drive huge users in your region of Mexico. Right. And then and then you should be able to populate that via influencers and and spreaders of the message in the bigger cities in Mexico and then get a dominant market there. And if you can do that, then you can find the profile user that you have and target other markets remotely without ever physically going there. Right. So so it applies. It sounds very B2B and very traditional, but it it can be widened out to apply to just about any type of company. And then the expansion maybe becomes a little bit easier in the sense that we have so many technologies to leverage and you can spread things virally. 
um, in ways that we couldn't have done that like the costs of a startup growth are much lower now than they ever have been in the history of startups. Right. Does that make yeah. sense to you? Like, do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm full of shit? No. <laughs> wow. I like the way that you frame this system that the, you can replicate, but the, the thing that I would like to highlight is like, of course you have to first conquer your, the market that you are in See. and then you go little by little and expanding little by little. But I mean, the, I, the, the I, funny part, mm -hmm. you said in your example, like in your own story, like my model doesn't exist because your story is true, but like my model has existed in my head for years. And then your story kind of validates my model. Like that maybe you should, you could have, could have, should have focused where you were before you leapt out to another totally different yeah, place. Totally agree. Right now that we have, See. as you mentioned, a lot of tools and we are becoming more borderless uh, because yep. of the digitalization of, of, of everything. And now that we are in a pandemic, it's becoming more, it's increasing the, the, the users that, that are uh, digitalized. Yeah, uh, no, there's a bigger, bigger pools of people available, right? Uh -huh. So there's also a huge opportunity for business models that, can play in a global perspective, no? And in that sense, we have to use this framework that you just described. We have to adapt that in a very borderless world. See, see, and, and also keep in mind too, right? Notice I didn't assign any timeframes to any of like, because I, I don't know. Every, every business is different in that sense because there are so many variables, right? But the speed with which one team might be able to move versus another or one industry might react or one set of new users or new social media users might react is that's totally those change all the time right it's about the segment and this segment could be anywhere in the world and it's not See. about a country and so there, i think it's, there's a both ways to see this like sometimes the the, the characteristics of the users or the market has to do with a country, of course, and there's laws See. and whatever, entry barriers. Whatever. Or language, right? I mean, uh -huh. simple things or obvious things. But sometimes there are business models that can play with a, just a segment of, of just a problem that becomes very global and you don't have these kind of barriers. I was talking earlier today, and this doesn't happen often when we record, but I happen to be talking to somebody earlier today who's Honduran, uh, established leader, entrepreneur, but he's in Mexico uh, City and has been for a few years. And we were talking about the fact that the big problems that are coming up, like social injustice, income inequality, water scarcity, food shortage, scarcity and distribution, uh, and climate, hmm, those are all pretty borderless problems. The reason we were talking about it today was how disappointing it is that we haven't come together more during the pandemic, which is clearly a borderless problem and used our brain power and our collective intelligence to solve it. But clearly we're going to have to get better at that because all the big problems that are coming, which are massive opportunities then for innovation and new services and new technologies and new products and new inventions. Um, all of those are the biggest ones are borderless. So climate, like, okay, you have a climate solution, you have a recycling program, you have a, okay. Yeah. Like proof that in your market, like proof that locally. But then the minute that you proof it locally and you proof it in a second market, then know that the next 10 markets you go to could be in could be in the Middle East or Africa. Like to your point, I think, is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have yeah, to be. Yeah.
see. So no, it's a bit, it's both very scary and exciting time. All of what we just discussed happens regardless of who the two old guys are in the white house meeting today or not. These opportunities to solve these problems are going to exist because the trend is global. Technology brings us together. You and I meet in Chile. We stay friends. We produce a podcast on Zoom. We don't even see each other for months or a year, right? <laughs> like we have friendships all over the world. I talk to people in Africa and the Middle East and, and Europe almost three or four times a week. And we receive questions from, from founders around the Latin right? America. We're getting questions from Brazil, from Chile, from Guatemala, from Argentina, from Mexico, from Estados Unidos. I mean, like, so that is not like, in spite of what certain politicians might want to do, You, you can't stop the trend of history, um, which plays to all of us innovative entrepreneurs and everybody that's listening. So, so we say go global, just do it smartly and know what you're doing, basically. Have an intention about it, right? Buenísimo, Rob. Me encanta todo lo que, lo que hemos discutido, desde ir desde una perspectiva eh, local y luego de ir a global. Eh, me encantó la parte de play the long game y siempre pensar en que, en que podemos ser, me, que hay, que hay eh, objetivos eh, de manera global que nos hacen romper las barreras y que son muy universales. Y que también la parte buenísima que nos mencionabas de, del entrepreneurial tourism, eh, es, está buenísimo si quieres validar eh, un mercado que aproveches este tipo de, de oportunidades, pero siempre con un objetivo en específico. Y con esto podemos cerrar y ahora sí vamos a, hacia nuestros patrocinadores para luego regresar y escuchar alguna de las preguntas que eh, tenemos esta, esta tarde. Estamos de regreso en Mentors Today y ahora vamos en la sección de preguntas eh, que nos envían diferentes founders de América Latina. Las dos preguntas que tenemos preparadas para el día de hoy son de emprendedores mexicanos. Hi everyone, my name is Cuco Vega. I'm the co-founder of Bexi. We have offices in Guadalajara, La Paz, and San Francisco. And my question is, um, I have a question that is very relevant right now, but it's also something very common, I would say, for startup founders. <laughs> As a founder, you obviously are used to go through ups and downs, you know, in terms of motivation, emotionally and all that stuff, right? So you get through pulling yourself up and, you know, you go through it. But how do you do that with your team, right? Um, how do you make sure that even when you're going through hard times or, you know, just weird times like right now, um, how do you do it so it, it doesn't affect your team, right? How, how to make sure that um, they see in you as a founder or as a leader, right? A manager or whatever, um, that everything is going to be okay, even though you don't know. Super deep question. Oh, Marty. Oof. As I was listening to it, I just remember a, a very popular saying in español. In español. Sí. Nosotros como quiera, pero las criaturas. So. I think you'll agree with me. I think this is maybe the most fundamental, important question related to being a founder nowadays. Sí, claro, porque al, al final las empresas son dirigidas por personas. Hay una persona detrás de, de, de los negocios. Entonces, eh, por supuesto que esto es algo súper importante que siempre tenemos que eh, tener en mente. Lo primero que te puedo decir 
Cuco, es obviamente con estos tiempos de pandemia es, esta incertidumbre se ha vuelto muchísimo más común y muchos están hablando al respecto, que es algo muy bueno. Antes era muy común ocultar estas cosas y siempre tener que ver al founder como una, una figura súper poderosa, de que puede todo, de que está súper motivado. Pero claro que todas las personas como seres humanos tenemos altos y bajos en nuestras vidas. Eh, creo que lo más valioso que te puedo decir aquí es que, pues primeramente, no tengas miedo de, de mostrarte vulnerable. Hay mucho valor en, en la honestidad de que tus miembros de, del equipo te vean como una persona real, tal vez acudir a ayuda profesional un espacio donde tú puedas platicar estas cosas y primero arreglarte a ti para que puedas transmitir eso a tus empleados. Pero creo que hay mucho valor en, en la honestidad y también otra cosa importante que creo que es, es, es bueno recalcar aquí es que justamente cuando fundas una empresa algo que es de apoyo es las personas que te rodean y en este caso tus co-founders juegan un papel muy importante porque son, son quienes con los que compartes y con los que te puedes apoyar cuando tienes esos momentos, esos momentos débiles. Entonces, eh, pues sí, apoyarte mucho también de, de tus co-founders para que no todo el peso de, eh, emocional se vaya a una sola persona, sino que se pueda dividir y habrá momentos donde haya otro miembro del equipo que saque más el, el liderazgo para, para enfrentar los problemas y otras veces va a ser en equipo. Eh, so, Rob, um, what do you think about this? You know, it's funny, there, as I was listening to you talk, and I, I, as I always do, I pick up a chunk of what you're saying and I, and I couldn't agree more. Like, I just kept thinking about what an important topic this is. And like, I almost feel like a responsibility in the answers, yes. right? Like not just to Kuko, who is an amazing entrepreneur from Guadalajara, who we happen to know, and I couldn't be more proud of, uh, I've known him for years, but just in general for founders, like we're, I'm going to use this word and it's, I'm not going to use it lightly. Like there's another pandemic going on in entrepreneurship that's been going on for the last three or four or five years um, that no one talks about, or when it does get talked about, it's very infrequent. And it almost never gets talked about in Latino America. Um, and that's founder depression, mental health, uh, mental health, founder depression, founder suicide, which we haven't, we haven't had a, like a big name case of in Latino America, but we have had a number um, of founder suicides in the South Unidos and the Silicon Valley culture. Um, like this is a, this is a real thing, right? So, you know, my first instinct is to say, Hey, Kuko, there's no sticky note or whiteboard answer for this on how do you both, when you know, things aren't going well, or when you're not sure if things are going well or are going to go well, how do you not let that affect the dynamic and the energy of your teammates and your and your uh your employees like there's no quick answer for that i mean it's um i'll be the first to put my hand up and say june really really pushed me emotionally um in a way that i probably haven't struggled with growth hacks um since like february january february of 2018 when i came back from chile um, which was a real low point for me um in this last five years and so You know, this is a real thing. Now, having said that, um, like, I think some truths that you can apply are like, if you have co-founders, if you have partners, um, you have to be completely transparent with them. Yeah, that's like, what I, I was saying. 
See, si, that's what I, 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 I thought I picked up on that. I, I was saying yeah. that it's very important to the, the people that you pick to work with uh, as a co-founders, because sometimes you don't have to, to get all the responsibility. You can share responsibilities and sometimes si. you will be down and your co-founder will, will be up and you can you, you si. have to, to share the, this responsibility. It's like carrying a weight, right? It's like carrying a weight up a, like a backpack up a, a mountain, right? Like sometimes, hey man, like I can still go up the mountain I'm going to be a little slower, but I, I can't carry the backpack right now. Like, I got to give you the backpack. Yeah. And the other thing that I was saying is that we don't, we have to cut these rejoice, rejoice judges about uh, yeah. feeling yeah. down. And it's, it's okay to be honest with your team members and say, like, I don't feel okay right now. And, and that will give a very human thing that your coworkers and your teammates will, will evaluate a lot because they will empathize with you. So I think I'll add maybe another layer to this is, and this is like the dad in me, right? So you're completely right. You have to be super open and transparent and you have to share the load, especially with your co-founders or your executive team, depending on how big or small the company is, right? Your partners, whatever those people may be referred to. Now, having said that, the broader group inside the company eh, like this is the dad analogy in me where like there were things that went on in my life when I was a single parent raising my daughter and that she just didn't need to know like as a as a 14 or 15 year old right okay. and and and, it, and it's I'm not always in keeping secrets from her per se but there was just like there's there's weighty decisions right there are like weighty serious things that happen sometimes that a that a 14 or 15 year old simply just does not need to carry that burden they need to be allowed to just be themselves right and so the parent has to carry that now you don't have to lie and be like everything's wonderful it's all roses and flowers and rainbows like bullshit right but you know you don't also have to be like so completely wide open because the truth is and this is where i'm gonna i'm gonna veer back so i'm not saying employees are children because they're not right they're valued they're adults they're valued people But the truth is that like when you get out into the larger group of your employees, employees come to work for your business because they believed in what, you, in what you're building and really for the basic reason most people have a job. Like it's an exchange of their time for money. Yes. Like so, so you know, the, the, the outside of the core group of owners, let's say, or founders, everybody else is going to have less of an emotional attachment to a business. And that's the way it should be. That's healthy, right? And so... As a founder, when you're, when you're navigating this ship through the craziest parts of the storm, yes, you gotta, you gotta stand up there and be like, hey, I don't know if the storm's gonna be heavy. I don't know if the rain is gonna flood this part of the boat. I don't know if some of you are gonna get sick from the storm, but I do know that I look at the compass and we're still pointing in the same direction. And so as long as we stay pointing in the same direction and we just keep going forward, we're eventually going to come through the storm and we're going to get to the shore. Yeah. Right. Like people, people need that level of transparency and, and shared kind of commitment to stay focused and stay on mission. Um, but you know, so, so you don't want to lie. I'm not saying that you don't want to be your inauthentic self, <laughs> but there are, but right. You know, I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying like, I'm also being pragmatic and I'm being the 52 year old guy who's been doing this for 30 years. And I'm saying, sometimes there's just shit that you got to carry alone. Right. And sometimes there's shit that you got to carry and, and that backpack only gets shared between you and your co-founders. And then you and your co-founders take that backpack. And sometimes you share that backpack at home with your spouse or your significant other uh, or your dog 
or whoever is in the boat with you on this trip. Um, and your employees just kind of, they, maybe they have an inkling that something's not perfect or something's tough or something's not right, but they don't really know. And that's okay. Um, you know, because, because you know where you're going. Uh, now, now that's not to the extent that like, if the company's going to run out of money in, in a week, right? Like, I mean, that's that you need to be, you need to be open about that. Yeah. Right. Like, because that's people's livelihoods. That's their ability to pay their rent in three weeks. Like, so if it's now, if the company's going to be in jeopardy financially in three, four months, like that's a different discussion. Maybe you can carry that by yourself. Right. And you need to just find solutions um, amongst you. Or if you're a solo founder, you got to find solutions. You got to find therapists. Like you got to find friends you can vent to. Um, you know, the, I would say this about you and I, like in our friendship, one of the ironies of our friendship was it was rooted in a friendship long before it ever became like a podcast. Right. I mean, so, so it was rooted in our ability to get together with each other whenever we we're in the same city or on the phone and vent and share stressors and release things we're worried about and help each other think through solutions and decisions. Um, and you need to have those people in your life, like as a founder, and they ideally should be other founders. Right. And, and good mentors, like people that can, who are experienced in life and can help you think through things um, because it's really, really hard. Like this is really hard. Uh, there is no, there is no simple sticking no. out answer, as you said. See, got to founders got to figure themselves out before they can, before they can figure out the business. Right. Yes. Totally agree. See, great question. Kuko. Thank you. Oof. La siguiente pregunta que tenemos también es de un emprendedor mexicano. Vamos a escucharla. Hello, I'm Alan. Uh, I want to know how can you keep engaged your work team into your project or your company? Uh, sometimes the people who work with you uh, stop caring about the the essence or the or the main goal i don't know greetings from san luis potosí wow that's a super question from alan um i mean kind of related but not related right so yeah. like i'm gonna I, I i'm gonna give alan like some hard truth a little hard love right here tough love as they say mm -hmm. like if you've got people on your on your team that don't believe in the mission anymore, you got to find new people. I mean, that, that's like, that's the really hard answer. Mm -hmm. Now you don't just cut them, right? How you find, how, how you find out if they don't believe in the mission is you got to have conversations with everybody on the team. You got to have sit down one-on-one. -on -one. I always suggest my dad used to say this to me, like when you want to have those kinds of conversations, like go offsite, like get out of the office, get out of the conference room, go to a coffee shop, go for a walk, like go someplace where you can, get somebody's brain wired differently. Um, and then you got to be real honest with them. I mean, if he's asking, Alan, if you're asking us this question, you're obviously maybe struggling with this right now. Yeah. And if you are, if you are, then I'm going to very specifically say like, you need to go sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with each one of your teammates. You need to get them to admit to you that they're either in the mission or, or not on the mission. Um, and then if they're not on the mission, I like to say, and this is terrible. Again, I'm going to sound like the asshole. CEO in this answer, but like you're setting people free. Like you're like, I'm going to I'm going to like create conditions for, to enable you to go out and do something that you're going to be more passionate about. And you're going to be more excited about every day in a new job. 
and I'm going to try and find someone to come in here who really believes in what we're trying to do. So that's, that's my quick take on it. But what do you think? Sí, creo que lo mismo me pasó cuando escuché esta pregunta. Eh, me puse a, a pensar, quizá él está pasando por, por esto. Entonces, lo primero que hay que saber es por qué esta persona que no cree ya en, en negocio sigue trabajando contigo. ¿Qué es lo que lo mantiene ahí? Puede ser a lo mejor un camino para entender si pues, es bueno volver a convencerlo de, de la misión. A lo mejor es algo, alguna necesidad personal o, o no sé, entender realmente este, qué es lo que lo que lo hace formar, seguir formando parte del equipo y a partir de ahí pues ya tomar decisiones, ¿no? Si, si vale la pena seguir teniendo esta persona porque realmente aporta algo valioso a la compañía eh, con sus skills y si no, pues bueno, retomar y ver de qué manera eh, lo puedes canalizar a, a otra empresa o a otro proyecto en el cual se sienta más identificado o ver qué es lo que necesitaría esta persona tener para, o sea, qué necesitarías tú entregarle a esta persona para que vuelva a creer en el proyecto y se vuelva a, a enganchar, ¿no? A lo mejor fue lo que sucedió en el camino que hizo que ya no, ya no creyera en, en lo que están haciendo. So, that's my answer for, for Alan, and I think with this we are done for That's a fun, episode. another fun week hanging out with you. I love hanging out with you and recording every everything we say for like two hours once a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the and the I can't wait. I can't wait to do it again next week. <laughs> I know, I know. So see you everybody. Well, not see you. Listen to you next week. Bye bye. See. Ciao. Muchísimas gracias por escucharnos eh, donde quiera que se encuentren. Les pedimos que por favor nos sigan, si les gustó este, este podcast, que nos sigan en las diferentes redes sociales, que nos escuchen en las diferentes plataformas y también que nos sigan en nuestros perfiles de redes sociales. Nos pueden seguir en Instagram como Mentors Today. No olviden que dentro del perfil pueden dar clic al link que está en la biografía para enviarnos su pregunta y cada semana poder participar. Pues nada, Rob. That's all we finished for today. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.